One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And good afternoon on this Friday afternoon. So excited to have you guys along uh, another episode here of the Work-Life Balance Uh and speaking of work-life balance, it's, it's time for me to have a little life balance. It, it's, so it's it's time to be home for a couple of days and, and relax. It's been it's been busy, right? So you guys, uh, we had the radio show last. I think it was uh, the twenty fourth when we did. Um, it was Dale Godbaldo and Chase Hampton, the the other executive producers of that event. And, and to be honest, I'm still kind of coming down from from that Mickey Mouse Club event. Um, it's quite possibly one of the largest uh, events I've ever personally been responsible for and still getting a lot of good press, a lot of uh, follow-ups from there. We got the attention of some some pretty big executives that are starting to follow up. So um, all of that was uh, pretty exciting. Uh, I followed that, though, by going to another con. I went and visited uh, MomoCon uh, in Atlanta as Dee Dee Magno Hall was there with her husband, Clifton. Uh, and now that my daughter has met them, uh, she wants to make sure that, that we see them anytime they're close. So we went and visited with them, uh, turned right around then and uh, came on out to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, worked with uh, Dr. Cialdini and, or Cialdini and his team, um, learning the principles of persuasion, really, you know, the science of influence, which is, a, as you know, we've announced on the show here, we're starting to look at uh, our next series, which is the art of ethical influence. And uh, why not go to the top and to the people that have researched it more uh, than, than really anybody? It was pretty fascinating. And while I was in Phoenix, got to go hang out with my uh, Voice America crew. So uh, Voice America Studios are right there uh, in Phoenix and uh, about two miles from where I was staying. So uh, the last night I was there, went to go meet the staff and hang out with them. It's the first time I've actually been in the studios, which was cool. And uh, had some fellowship time with the team and uh, really just going from there. So it's been crazy. I got back late uh, Wednesday uh, night, uh, had a little time at home, and here we are on the work-life balance. And what was interesting is as we were in Dr. Cialdini's course, we you know hooked up what we call accountability partners. And it's a concept that we use in the John Maxwell team. And it's a concept that I'm seeing quite a bit of. And so I thought I would do a show uh, specifically around accountability, what it really means, uh, what's the difference between accountability versus responsibility, uh, how do real leaders uh, demonstrate accountability? Um, what are some of the best tips in, in building an accountable culture? Uh, so on and so forth. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So we're glad you're here. And, and let's just jump into it. I think it's important first to start with the difference between responsibility and accountability. I mean, really, you've got two different words there. Um, and if we look to the actual definition, accountable means subject to the obligation to report explain, justify something. Um, and even it, it has the word responsible in it, but a better term or better word is answerable. And responsible really means answerable or accountable for something with, within one's power, control, or management. So while responsibility and accountability, those words seem to be interchanged quite a bit, um, there is a very, very uh, fundamental difference between the two. Um, and if you look at it, um, even though they're kind of synonyms, accountable really means answerable um, and the obligation to report versus responsible is doing that from within someone's power control or management. 
it's a huge difference between that. One is is kind of your focus, uh, and one is is being accountable not only to yourself but to your team. Um, so, if if you look at you know if there's more responsible teams out there or responsibility as a whole, um, a responsible team or organization can be successful in many different ways, right? Um, you can define roles and, and job descriptions. You can have clear organizational hierarchies. You can have uh, feedback sessions in the form of reviews. You can consistently hit your numbers. You can have processes and systems in place. But even though you're responsible, the accountability side needs to still be there. So, you know, while you can have these great processes and systems in place, have feedback systems, it still can lead to siloed thinking and acting with reluctant behaviors or, you know, oh, I thought you were going to do this kind of uh, issues um, or attitudes where people justify the ways they think and then they act uh, to cover their, their, their tails, their butts, essentially, right? And that still can lead to poor performance and development due to infrequent feedback exchanges. So really, justification and feedback um, is possibly the most damaging portion to a team. Because, you know, I, I hear this in disc all the time. I hear this when I go to work with my executives when I coach them. They'll say, hey, you know, I've, I've been this way all my life. You know, people just need to kind of deal with it. Um, but uh, justifying the way you think and act in an effort to cover up a detriment or cover up um, a, a potential personality flaw or, again, just covering your, your tail end, um, that kind of pulls in the opposite of direction of achieving the results, right? And it definitely will zap uh, time and resources um, and it, it can lead to, to conduct on becoming an organization. And when it comes to feedback, uh, many organizations just kind of rely solely on performance reviews. Your standard once a year, I'm going to give you the one to five. Um, and it's really not an exchange of feedback more so than it is, uh, you know, one-way communication. And often it's typically too late if I've got somebody who's being, you know, not being accountable um, to, to give them feedback in that annual review. And so uh, some companies, right, you just have the yearly review. Some, um, you know, feedback only occurs when things go wrong or is in the worst case. Uh, they, they don't provide any feedback at all. Um, and so there's several studies that are out there. And uh, one was, uh, was called the Workplace Accountability Study. And during this study, they revealed that 80% of survey respondents said that feedback is typically, typically consequential or not even being exchanged. 80% is a huge number and also is a huge miss um, in developing your uh, employees and, and giving them the opportunity to hit the right result. I mean, 80% is, is huge. So when you're really trying to build this responsible team, and I see this in Agile quite a bit, um, what's, what's missing is accountability. So, we, so we, we, we tell teams that they're responsible to make decisions. We're going to decentralize decision-making. We're going to create these teams, empower our people. Um, all that sounds fantastic. Uh, but if you don't have accountability to it, then, you know, just like anything else, it's going to fail. So clearly defining responsibility is certainly essential. But encouraging people to go a step further to get personally involved will secure better benefits every time. And that's where I think accountability comes into play. 
So, so the notion of taking accountability naturally sounds more significant than having responsibility. And you're making the choice to go beyond what you're responsible for, carrying with it an idea of ownership, involvement, engagement. And so if we look at how a responsible team or organization might function, um, as we did just before, right, having clear roles and responsibilities and defining, you know, their, their, their systems and processes. If you look at an accountable team or organization, it's a workplace culture with, where the, the positive and empowering vision and version of accountability is embraced. So, for instance, people at all levels will take ownership for the strategic result of the organization, not just that the executive set the strategy and then the employees must follow or just do the projects that they're told, but everybody uh, at all levels are taking ownership for those strategic results. You, you don't get the siloed thinking or, or not so much siloed thinking, but siloed departments where you see things fail in the handoffs uh, because balls don't get dropped and, and projects don't slip through the cracks if everybody's being accountable to the process. And it also kind of makes you think differently about the job that needs to get done. Um, so if you start to think differently, then that gives you the opportunity to begin to break down barriers and, and collaborate to achieve the right results. And, and this is all because accountability is a broader concept than responsibility. It's something that you do to yourself, not something that, that someone does to, to you. It's with this version of, of accountability that people can not only take accountability for the results they need to achieve individually, but for the results that they're not 100% in control of. You know, we, we've all had those bosses that say, you know, if you want things done right, you just do it yourself. Um, but that, that doesn't lead to an accountable culture either, because what I want to do is, is hold each other accountable so that we can achieve what we're supposed to. But as a team, where we're not 100% control of the end result, um, we can still influence the end result the way we want to. And so if you have an organization that's embracing a positive accountability uh, kind of culture, then the culture of the people then hold themselves accountable for the ultimate results of the organization. And that's really what we want. We don't want this kind of yours, mine, and, and ours type of, type of attitude. It's more so um, the, the accountability of the overall deliverable is shared amongst everybody within the team. So it's not hard to see that that notions of accountability um, can you know need to be fixed. Certainly, responsibility can can be fixed. Um, but I'd like to have something a little bit more positively defined as a personal choice uh, above one's circumstances to demonstrate the ownership necessary to to get the results. And so, how you do that? Just some some general tips is again, don't wait for feedback opportunities, but ask for and offer feedback continuously. Be personally invested. Make a choice that you're personally going to own something and, and own it. Um, if you do solicit feedback, make sure that you act on the feedback that, that you're getting. And instead of just you know completing task after task after task, constantly ask as a team, what else can I or can we do? Um, Make sure that we're creatively dealing with obstacles and, and taking necessary risks that are going to lead to positive results more so than just, you know, doing or towing um, the, the line, essentially. Um, we want to be careful not to blame others um, so that we can build this environment of trust and, and start to um, really grow and collaborate as a team. 
Now, if you do any of these things, it, it's absolutely proven with research uh, over time that taking a lot of these actions can create a process of, of taking positive accountability. If we adopt the right mindset, uh, and step up to these traits, then you can quickly realize that accountability is not something you assign like responsibility. It's not put on, uh, put on, and um, it, it's not something that that I I make somebody do from an accountability standpoint. What it does is it is it allows us to own and and take the results for ourselves. And also, when we when we go about accountability in a different way um, and hold ourselves accountable to a higher standard, then you can have tremendous uh, impact to your organization. And so when we come back after break, I'm going to talk about a couple of stories where uh, we had a highly, you know, high performing team who was accountable to each other and how that impacted an entire organization um, just by the results that 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 team themselves had had achieved. So we'll talk about that when we come back from break. You're listening to Rick Morris and the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to this Friday afternoon edition of the Work-Life Balance, talking about accountability today and, and the benefits of that. We just went through kind of the difference between responsibility and accountability, even though people uh, tend to use the words interchangeably, um, they're not. They're, there's a distinct difference in the sense that responsibility comes with a uh, job title, something that's assigned. Accountability comes with a, a promise to yourself and a promise to your team. And so uh, to, to put this in action and, and to see a, a positive end result, um, I was building a project office inside, the, uh, inside a bank and the bank was was not very progressive in terms of project management. There's a lot of processes, but not a lot of uh, ownership or accountability in the project management space. And we wanted to see some changes in the way we did some reports and, and, and 
how we actually function. And we weren't the only project office in the bank. So you had other project offices that um, would basically come in and be be negative, be siloed, point fingers at the process and, and didn't like it. What, what uh, our team decided to do, and it, it was an entire team decision, it wasn't mine uh, solely, but um, we decided, you know, we're going to embrace the current process, but then hold ourselves to a higher standard and uh, do an additional process that, that we wanted to see. So for example, there, there was a bank reporting system that nobody really liked and, and um, we weren't getting any traction around getting that replaced. So we built a system that, that interfaced with it so that we could enter the information the way we wanted to see it, but it still met all of the bank standards. And so for a lot of times, uh, that was extra work for my project managers. But again, we wanted to see a change. We wanted to see something positive and, and we were holding ourselves to a higher standard. And what inevitably started happening is through some of the other reports and, and items that we were, be able, we were able to organize based on the system that we wrote, uh, people started to see the reports and they started asking questions like, you know, where, where's that report from? How can I get my hands on that? And, you know, oh, that's really cool. Or, you know, you guys seem to be on top of it. You're prioritizing things well. Um, and that's because the team, again, committed to themselves to hold each other accountable to high results. And I remember our, our metric was 60% um, project success in terms of hitting dates of, of milestones and production dates. And our first year, we hit like 96.7%. It was 99% of um, milestone dates, 96% of production dates um, as a whole, which uh, that's just, that, that's incredible results. That means essentially we missed one production date and one milestone all year. And when you look at the statistics of, you know, between 30 to 45% of projects are, are the only pro you know, that are successful, right? Then you're seeing that, that anywhere from 55 to 70% to of projects fail to, to only miss a single date uh, was, was pretty high standard. And so through the success and that accountability, more and more people started asking questions about what we were doing within our team in order to get to the results because we had a lot of shared resources and other departments weren't seeing that level of results. So through positive interaction and positive accountability, we were able to start to spread a better way of doing things. Now think about that for a moment because normally when we want to see change, especially in a corporate environment, we blame or we point fingers and we say, this is broken, this is wrong. What we were saying was, it's not necessarily broken or wrong, it's just not the way we want to always do it. But the difference in the two approaches is that we 100% accepted the current process. And all we did was hold ourselves accountable to more. And showed people that if you do hold yourself accountable to more, then the end results could be greater than what you're getting to today. And that initially uh, and eventually changed the way we, the entire bank did projects, it, it, they, they ended up adopting the system that, that we had written um, and started to utilize a lot of the principles that we put forward, which led to positive impact throughout the organization. And I love that story because um, when you hold each other accountable and you are striving for a higher standard, it becomes a, a personal ownership and it becomes a mantra that, that everybody wants to, to, you know, to do better. I'll give you a different example, uh, and, and this comes way back. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go way back to like 1990s. 
uh, on this, but I used to wait tables as most of us did when we were young. And um, the, the reason why I bring this up is I was coaching somebody um, just recently and we were talking about competition and accountability of competition. And a lot of people kind of feared the competition. I said, well, is all competition negative? And they were like, yeah, for the most part. I said, no, there can be positive competition that you can hold yourselves accountable to that'll raise the standard of the organization. So I had a, a, a serving buddy um, named Joe who, who normally had the section next to me, and he and I wanted to rise up the ranks, get the better sections um, where we could turn tables faster and make more money. That's, that's what you do. And so he and I would challenge each other of who could bus each other's uh, tables faster and who could pre-bus each other's tables faster. And so what would happen is it became like this, this huge competition of I cleared more dishes off of your tables than you cleared off of mine. And it became a fun competition. We bet a beer on it or whatever each night. And we pushed each other to be faster and better than you know, what we were holding ourselves originally to. And in doing so and having that accountability partner, we both rose up and, and ended up getting the prime sections because we could turn our tables so fast because it was a team thing as well as an individual thing. So that it's kind of a silly example in a way, but it, at the same time, it shows the power. If you create a, a, a creative way to hold each other accountable, make it a game, make it a competition, not all competition leads to negative feelings. What, what can happen is you can lift both the, you know, lift each other up through competition. So those are some of my favorite stories uh, around accountability in, in what some of those positive impacts can be. Now, the interesting thing is that accountability doesn't start with the corporate culture. Accountability really starts with you, right? A leadership can define culture. And if you want to create a culture of accountability, then it starts with you. And what you have to do is absolutely model the behaviors that you want to see in your organization. If you want people to take ownership, then you have to be seen taking ownership. When you make commitments, you have to be the one to, to deliver on those commitments. And if you don't, then why should anyone else be interested in doing so? If, if you want to create an accountability culture, it absolutely 100% starts with you. You have to walk the talk if you want others to follow you down this path of accountability. The, the beauty is, though, is that becomes a positive path of growth. You have to realize you are accountable. Whether you're the leader of the organization or not, you are accountable for any failures as well as any successes that your organization may have. Accountability comes as part of the job description, which is why if you try to weasel out of it, it can have a negative impact on the levels of accountability that already exist. It can have a negative impact of how people see you. One of the things John Maxwell says often is, is that uh, one of the best words you can have as a leader, one of the best descriptions you could have as a leader is that you're simply consistent, that consistency compounds. And so having said that, accountability is not a one-time or sometime thing. It's an all-time thing. I mean, those people who don't want to be accountable or held accountable are always looking for any opportunity to get out of it in any slips or any failures. And any gaps in your accountability will give them the out that they're looking for so that they only have to be accountable when they see fit. And that's it. so it's not absolutely a one time thing. You need to be seen as to being accountable at all times.
And accountability applies to, to everybody. I mean, when you're looking to hold people accountable, you can't play favorites. You can't let it slide with some people. Accountability has to be consistently requested of everyone all of the time. If you choose to let one person ignore their accountabilities, then it opens the doors for others to be selectively accountable too. It's the story of, you know, and again, you can use it as a, a political story or just a story of accountability. But the, and, and who knows if it's even true, this story, but, but it's a good story. So we'll tell it nonetheless. But this is about the professor who said, you know, everybody, it, you know, is, is going to get the same grade in this class. And so inevitably you had people who were making A's and, you know, people that were failing and the people that were failing were getting A's, but they weren't doing any work. And essentially what would happen is then the people that were working so hard and making A's and covering everybody else started to go, well, why do I have to work so hard if they're not going to work so hard? So they slip down, start making B's and C's. And this continues, and I'm making a long story short, but it continues to where everybody ends up failing out of the class. That is an accountability play, right? Accountability applies to one and all. And it's not something that you can delegate to another party. You can't delegate accountability like it's something to be accepted for a person to to feel accountable, they have to take ownership in the accountability. And the best way to get people to accept accountability is set them up to be successful. I mean, no one wants to take ownership and show accountability for something they know absolutely 100% they they know it's going to fail. So if you want people to accept accountability, ask them if they have everything that they need to be successful. This is part of that feedback loop that we're talking about in the first segment. When they say yes, they've been, you know, they've they've got that first step towards accountability that they have everything they need. But you got to be prepared for them to say no, and then you have to make sure that you provide whatever is missing, because without it, they're never going to accept the, the accountability. We have to own it as a team in order for us to to really accept it going forward. Accountability absolutely is the difference between success and failure. I mean, when, when people don't take accountability and things start to go awry, is they, they don't feel ownership and then, they, then they'll switch, right? They'll switch from doing stuff to being a spectator and, and, and watching it fall, watching it fail. If they thought it would fail from the outside, it's even worse, right? From the outside, of it, from the beginning, it's even worse because they go into the I told you so mode, which nearly always becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy. Whereas when people take ownership, if things start to go wrong, then they step into solution mode. They start to try and figure out what's going wrong, try to fix it. Teams that are successful are full of people that go into solution mode. So think back to that last issue that you just ran into. Think back to that last big problem of a project. How did you approach it? Did you approach it in the sense of, yeah, I told you so, I knew it was going to fail and and not really be a portion of, of turning it around or making it successful? Or did you go right into solution mode? Let's just fix it. I think one of my favorite things of running the, the, the Mickey Mouse Club event that we did was that Saturday. That Saturday was brutal. I'll tell you, it was brutal. I think I, you know, I was up at 6 a.m. I shut down, I think, around 4 a.m., um, you know, the next day. But we were all accountable for how that event went. And so all of us were in solution mode. And all day, it was nothing but problem after problem after problem, issue after issue after issue. And, you know, we were just clearing them. Okay, done. What's next? What do we need to do? Okay, I'll get you a table over there. What's next? What do we need to do? Okay, 
we'll, we'll solve your registration problem over here. What's next? But it's total solution mode. And it was something that we were all holding ourselves accountable for. And remember, you just can't tell people they're accountable and leave them to it. It might work for some, but not for all. You have to make sure that there's a review process and that we check in to see how people are doing. And remember that accountability is something that has to be worked at. There's got to be a clear and consistent strategy of how it's going to be implemented and validated. But the key to remember is, is it starts with you and has to apply at all times and to everyone. And you got to be consistent in that follow through. And that'll build an accountable team. So when we come back, we'll talk about how real leaders can demonstrate accountability and some examples of accountability when we come back. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon talking about accountability. So we went through the difference between responsibility and accountability Then we went through some truths about accountability and how to improve it. Um, And now I wanted to kind of do some examples. And um, one of the examples I pulled was uh, from Michael Hyatt. Uh, And Michael was talking about one of the, you know, that he would, uh, he was the CEO of Thomas Nelson. and, And they had a meeting once a month with divisional leaders and required them to write a report detailing what had happened the the previous month. And um, he had one person that did this uh, by the name of Alan Arnold. And Alan led uh, the fiction division. And, um, you know, even great leaders have bad months. And and you have bad uh, times, bad results. It's what we do with those um, and how we we react to that 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 starts to build the the culture of uh, accountability. And so... Uh, without reading the report, um, we can just kind of highlight some of the the items uh, that that he did. So, when you're taking accountability as a leader, um, 
you will make a, a heavy use of the pronoun I. So it's not, you know, my team didn't do this or we didn't do such and such or they didn't do such and such. It was I uh, made the decision to, to release this. I depended heavily on movie tie-ins. I overestimated how easy it would be. I haven't acquired enough of these types of authors. It was, it was all kind of I comments. Um, the, the leader will be specific about the decisions that they made and the results that, that were achieved. So it's, it's an understanding that the two are linked. So smart leaders understand that it's fundamental to driving change that if you are specific about the decisions that were made, you can be specific about the results that were achieved. Um, you don't wallow in remorse or self-pity. You just simply accept the responsibility for the mistake. And there's that word again, responsibility, because it was within the purview of the leader. But he simply accepts the responsibility for the mistake, learns what he can, pledges to do better. But um, it's it's such a it's such a powerful uh, tactic and technique. Uh, I've been teaching that uh, a long time. In fact, in, in uh, project management that works, I had the hundred percent, ten percent rule. It says if the project fails, it's a hundred percent on you, as the accountable project manager, the accountable leader. And if it's successful, it was only 10% you. And it's okay to take 10%. It's okay. But make sure that you're showering the team and, and that you're promoting that. And the people that have the fear of uh, employing a rule like that are like, well, I, you know, that if I take 100% of the blame, then, you know, how are they going to know it wasn't all my fault? Well, first of all, as a leader, it is your fault. And you take the responsibility. Um, so you can, you can take the responsibility for good results. You need to take the responsibility for poor ones. And, and um, you can also take responsibility in poor decisions, even though you might exceed your target, right? There's always so much more that we could be doing um, and always, you know, ways to improve. You're never done. You're never perfect. But when you, when you take that action of taking the blame, take the action as well as to, to correct the problem as if you own it. And that's the great thing around being responsible for is once you own it, you can start to fix it. And that eliminates a lot of the wasted effort in playing the victim and blaming others. You know, I work with a lot of different organizations and in some organizations I work with, you know, they're so paralyzed to make a decision because it's, it's built on a, a culture of blaming for when that decision was wrong versus the leader of that organization saying, you know what, I'm accountable for that, right? I'm responsible and accountable for the mistake that happened because ultimately as a leader, it all rolls up to me. How do we fix that to where it doesn't happen again? Now, instead, this leader blames. And when the leader blames or points fingers, then everybody wants to be absolved of that responsibility, which is you know, the exact opposite of the accountability culture that you're looking for. But people become afraid to step out. They become afraid to be creative. They become afraid to fail. And because of that, then you can't make a decision and you can't do anything quickly and you can't move an organization or move the needle because everybody's waiting for the shoe to drop. And so my question to you in, in determining whether or not uh, you have an accountable organization or, or one that's built on blame is to Ask that of, of, can you make the decision? Do you, do, are there meetings where there's regular decisions made or is there meetings that simply set up other meetings so other people can weigh in and make the ultimate decision?
Um, and that's, that's something that, that I watch for quite a bit. If we look at accountability as the obligation of an organization or individual to account for activities and accept blame for failures, then a person who's accountable may be called upon to answer and account for outcomes. And so here, here's some examples then of what we can talk about uh, in terms of examples of accountability. Um, so one is the action. So for instance, a customer service representative cancels a customer's account out of spite after they perceive, perceive the customer as being rude. The customer publicizes their experience. Now the customer service manager is called upon to, you know, is called upon uh, to account for the incident to executive management. In this case, the customer service manager is accountable for the incident and the customer re, uh, service representative is responsible for the incident. Does that make sense? So the, the customer service manager could go in and blame the representative for, for doing something out of spite, but that just then starts to lead to a different byproduct of a culture versus saying, no, no, no I'm accountable for it. If you want to blame somebody, blame me, right? And then he can hold the customer service res representative responsible for the incident, but the, the manager is still accountable for the incident. If you look at it from like a work products perspective, uh, a creative director leads a team of 50 creative individuals and is accountable for all of their work products. If a particular work product is perceived as low quality by a client, then it's the creative director that should be called upon to account for the perceived failure, just as much as the creative director could be rewarded for the success. Uh, accountability can come from a, a particular strategy, right? So if a CIO develops and executes a strategy to outsource processes to a partner, if that strategy fails to achieve the benefits outlined, then the CIO is to blame, right? The CIO is the one that has to take the accountability for the failure and work it through. It's not going to be the partner. It's not going to be what the processes were. It's not going to be how the organization handled it, right? Those are all byproducts of responsibility, but from an accountability perspective, it falls on the CIO. I mean, the same goes to like uh, decision-making. So let's say, um, let's say a salesperson decides um, that some, someone's not serious about making a purchase and so they don't follow up on the opportunity. And if they find out that 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 firm or that you know group uh, made a large purchase from a competitor, the sales manager is the one that's called upon to account for the practices, right? Not the not the salesperson. The sales manager becomes accountable for that. And that, see, some of this sounds counterintuitive. Some of this may make you go, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. But basically, the buck stops at the leader, and the leader is accountable. I'm not saying you're responsible for making those poor decisions, but you're certainly accountable for somebody who who makes um, who makes those decisions for you. Even as a speaker, um, you know, one of the, some of the best advice I've heard is that I'm not responsible for the audience. I'm responsible to the audience, and I love that because I'm not responsible for how the audience um, acts or reacts to material that I give. I'm responsible to the audience for presenting information, presenting clear arguments, presenting um, impactful messages, but I'm not responsible for the audience and what they do with that. You know, it, accountability kind of sits everywhere, right? If, if you think about um, 
even delegation, right? So if an IT manager delegates uh, a highly political or, or risky project to, to somebody who may not quite be ready, right? Maybe it's a junior team member. Um, they can predict that the project is, is likely to fail. So if the project does fail, then if that manager tries to avoid accountability by stating that they were not involved in the project, they were. Because that is a poor practice as responsibility can be delegated, but accountability remains. It absolutely remains. You know, one of the big things that, that I see organizations do all the time is institute policies without really thinking. They make it a policy. So um, if you think of like uh, uh, Wells Fargo in the policy of how they, you know, they, they basically made a de facto policy that, that everybody needs to upsell uh, 50 products or 100 products, whatever it was. But basically, they created this culture where you had to produce or, or you were going to get fired. And what that led to was a variety of aggressive sales tactics on, on the part of, of the employees. And then the bank essentially tried to cast blame for those practices to those, oh, we had some rogue salespeople. And they failed to take accountability for that po that policy, and that became a root cause of the issue itself. So, I mean, these are all you know great examples of um, how accountability works. Um, but if you look at exceptional leaders' behaviors, you can find that um, there are several um, factors or or behaviors that are linked to high personal accountability. Um, for instance, they, they have a drive for results, not, not results at all costs, but a drive for results. Um, and so instead of sending out, um, and changing your message as to what's critical, then you're kind of clearly, you're clearly defining the results that you want the team to deliver. They have high honesty and integrity, which leads to a, a great amount of trust, um, you know, research was done on a set of leaders who were not trusted and found that their employees um, reported the following issues. They said, I'm not confident that my efforts will be rewarded, or I suspect that the leader may take advantage of me, or I constantly question the leader's motives, or I'm sure they're going to take credit for my accomplishments. And so that lack of trust came from a lack of honesty and integrity, or in really integrity, basically taking credit for somebody else's work. That led to poor trust, which led to uh, uh, degradation of the team's performance. Um, High-behaving leaders have clear vision, clear direction. They have problem-solving, technical expertise. But one of the things that, that they're very, very good at is communication, including collaboration and resolving conflict. Right? Collaboration is a difficult skill uh, in an organization. And, you know, do you want... A, you got to find out, are you cooperating or competing with, with others in your group? And cooperation is what breeds accountability. So you have to be open in communication. You have to be open to collaboration, resolving conflict, have that key ability to change. And those are some of those methods and, and items that will build accountability in not only you, but build accountability in your organization. We're going to take a break right here. We'll be right back with the final segment of the Work-Life Balance. You're listening to Rick Morris. Are 
Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back to this uh, final edition of the Work-Life Balance, the final segment. Hopefully, it's not the last edition. I think I've got a show next week. Uh, but we've been talking about accountability. Uh, we talked about responsibility versus accountability, some truths about it, uh, some examples of great leaders in accountability. And, and I want to tie this off with what are the benefits? Again, I got on this whole kick because um, I just did a, a, a training class in the, in the powers of, of persuasion and, and the principles uh, of persuasion um, by uh, Dr. Robert uh, Cialdini. And what was interesting is, you know, they said something that I've said many times from stage, which is, you know, you can't just go to a class for two days and then that's that, right? Most people take notes. Those those things uh, end up on your desk. You don't really read them again. And so they assigned us accountability partners. Now, that's something else that I've experienced in the John Maxwell team as well. Um, and I've actually got about three different partners that, that I have accountability with uh, from the Maxwell team. And so what, what we do is we just simply check in, you know, once a week or once every other week and commit to our partners about what it is that we're going to do and, and what we're working on, what we want to change. And so the benefits of having something like that, having accountability, uh, number one, it's proven. It's actually called the Hawthorne effect. If you want to look it up, it's called the Hawthorne effect. Um, also known as the observer effect, but it, it's a proven study that you perform better under observation. Um, you know, odds are you probably had some sort of exercise routine at some point, or, um, you know, if you worked out in front of others with a personal trainer, you'd push a little bit harder. But when you worked out at home and something, you know, was hard, it was just easier to take a break or not do an extra set because there was nobody pushing on you. And that's known as the Hawthorne effect, that if you're being observed, then you're going to, to work harder. You will work harder. Um, 
so it's it's interesting that uh, that's an interesting benefit of holding each other accountable. Um, through an accountability partner, you get honest feedback from others too. So the best way to get feedback on any specific goal, uh, because everybody views the world differently because their lens is tinted by their own experiences uh, or their own knowledge, or their own education. Um, something I say often to, to speakers that I work with is that the things that we believe are common sense are not often fully understood by others. It, it, it actually comes easy to us. And what comes easy to us as speakers is, is something worthwhile in sharing with others because it, they don't see it as clearly or through our lens. And so um, with external accountability, you consistently have people in your life who can ask, you know, why are you doing that? Why is this important? How, how does this action or activity that you're doing relate to your overall goal? Uh, and being challenged like that is a good thing because it forces you to closely examine each goal uh, make sure that, that you're, you're performing the best action. Um, I think another benefit of accountability partnerships is it forces you to follow through on commitments. Um, so we're all human and it's easy to make mistakes and you might start working towards a no, new goal and have every intention of following through with it. But rarely does that, that, that drive, that new feeling, you know, last more than a few days. And, um, if it's not lasting more than a few days, then, um, you know, you start to you start to back away from a little bit, right? Um, so there's many reasons that it's hard to stick to a new routine. But if you if you don't follow through, it's generally because you don't have a lack of an accountability. So having an accountability partner or somebody who's helping you monitor um, can help you drive towards that goal. Uh, another benefit is that uh, it can help you create uh, firm deadlines for important tasks. So um, I've got several new business ideas that I'm working on with a couple of different people. And the ones that are, are going through and being successful right now are the ones that we're at least setting some firm deadlines um, to, to start to work through. Um, and, and quite frankly, there's a better chance you're going to follow through if you tell others about what your timeline is, as simple as that. Right. It, it, it not only does it, you know, share not only does sharing these goals, keep your feet kind of to the fire, but it, it forces you to finish projects by specific deadlines um, that may flounder if you don't do that. Um, another good reason, though, is that you can learn from other people's successes and failures. Um, you know, we say that failure can be a fantastic teacher, but it's not always fun to be the person making the mistakes. And when you learn hard lessons, these experiences can help you make better decisions down the road. But a major benefit of accountability is that the opportunity to learn important lessons without going through the painful process of making your own mistakes. I mean, just talking to someone, whether, you know, it's a mentor, coach, peer, a member of a mastermind group, they, they give you opinions and real life experiences to help you avoid um, pitfalls that, that would cost you time, money, or really both for that matter. Um, and accountability also makes it easier to identify challenges that you might not have initially considered. Right? Perhaps you're too emotionally involved to, to uh, see a failure coming. It really doesn't matter what your goal is. There's always going to be some sort of challenge that seems to come out of nowhere. Um, you know, I, I, when I coach people, I say that all the time. They're like, well, it's got to be perfect before I start. And I was like, I don't care how much you put into you could you could spend six years on this 
and think through every potential thing that's going to go wrong. And the first thing that goes wrong is something that you didn't see coming. And that's, that's just life, right? But I think another interesting thing of accountability, though, is it, it can help um, prevent little problems from, from turning into big ones, right? Little problems almost always grow into big ones unless they're immediately addressed. Uh, and sometimes, you know, we can be blind to these little issues. Um, or better yet, we're, we're, we're ignoring them on purpose, right? So accountability partners can often act as a second or even third or fourth pair of eyes uh, on your challenges. They're there to kick you in the butt to take care of any problem before it completely derails your progress. And um, it can encourage you also, though, um, the, the reverse I see often. Like I, I work with, you know, a couple of my accountability partners are, are really kind of uh, obsessing over minute details, right? They're sweating the small stuff. And so it's, it's easy to kind of feel anxious uh, whenever you encounter an obstacle. Uh, but when you can talk about an issue, a good group can help you figure out what's important to address and what can be ignored. Um, but these are all, you know, benefits of having an accountability strategy of being accountable to others. So hopefully this helped. Hopefully this, uh, this talk helped you to understand accountability. You know, I work with uh, a lot of youth and talk to them about being accountable and there's a lot of, they, they push back on it quite often. And when I ask, you know, why are you pushing back? They say, well, I don't want to be told I'm a bad kid or I don't want to be told I'm doing wrong things. And that's not what accountability is. Accountability is holding you to the standard in which you want to hold yourself. Um, and I know in, in my life, I wouldn't get as much done as I get done if I didn't, if I wasn't accountable uh, to other people. Um, I feel you know, there's, there's, there's times I don't feel good right before the radio show. There's times I don't feel good right before I go stage on stage, but I'm accountable to the audience and I'm accountable to who came uh, to deliver the best that I have when, when we do it. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a great lesson to, to understand. Uh, some of my upcoming uh, engagements on the 12th of June, I'm going to be the host of the PMI virtual conference. Now you do have to be a PMI member. Uh, but if you are a PMI member, it is free to you as we're doing the uh, uh, talent uh, symposium. And so um, it's uh, the technology and talent virtual conference happens all day Wednesday. So there's some free PDUs out there for you. Uh, and I am happy uh, to be hosting another virtual conference with PMI. Uh, next week, I'm going to have uh, Paul Gustafson and Mike Harbour on the uh, they're the gentleman who approached me about doing the Transformational Leader podcast uh, as part of the John Maxwell team. So we're going to be talking about how that podcast came to be and, uh, and uh, you know, what, what that's like and, and how we're doing the awards and how we've shifted that. The following week, uh, super excited is I'm going to have Dr. Ivan Meisner on. Ivan Meisner is the founder of BNI. Uh, it's one of the largest uh, networking groups in the world. He's got, I want to say it was like 22,000 chapters, something you know incredible like that. Uh, and he's got a new book that's out. And uh, I had an opportunity to meet with him before. And he and I hit it off and, and have uh, decided to do this, this radio show together. So uh, we've got some really good episodes coming up. As always, I'm going to take the week of July 4th off, and then we'll have some other people coming on. Uh, after that. So I'm going to wrap it up here for this week. Thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me and holding me accountable 
uh, to try to do the very best that I can every time that we get together. I love the feedback. You can always hit me at, at Rick A. Morris or at rmorris at rsquareconsulting.com or rick at rickamorris.com. And until next Friday, we hope that you live your perfect work-life balance. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. 